episode seven. Nothing can stop her. Welcome to the Women Rocking Wall Street Show, a podcast created to inspire and empower women in the financial services industry, where we'll focus on helping women propel their professional and personal lives by taking the courageous first step, shaking self-doubt, learning how to survive and thrive, and oh, so much more. Here is your host, Sherry Fitz. Hey there. Hello again, and welcome back to Women Rocking Wall Street. Let me just tell you what's going on, because I'm sure if you've been listening in, I sound a little different. That's because I'm recording this from a hotel room in Southern California. (laughs) Now, I have turned off the air conditioning and have put my no disturb sign on the front door, so hopefully we won't get interrupted. And I'm really looking forward to sharing this session with you. So the show has got to go on. This week, we're here with Michelle Duval, who's founder of Equilibrio International. Michelle is a woman who has found success in a variety of roles, including coach, speaker, writer, and survivor. I know you'll be inspired by her self-discovery and survival from two autoimmune diseases that doctors diagnosed as fatal. Michelle has applied the same wisdom she learned about her health to success in business. She specializes in studying the motivations and attitudes of entrepreneurs and has found several interesting differences between men and women in the workplace. Some of them aren't necessarily surprising. (laughs) Among the most notable is that women are generally more patient than men and seek more external motivation or approval from others than men. Unfortunately, these tendencies can lead to inaction and ultimately lost opportunity in our careers. Michelle is here to share lots of tasty tidbits about changing our brains, thought patterns to build pathways to workplace and business success. Let's get started with Michelle. WomenRockingWallStreet.com You rock. You rock. Now run with it. Today, I'm really excited to bring on Michelle Duval. What's interesting about Michelle was I met her through a friend that I met via social media um, who lives in Australia. And when I'd asked him to introduce me to some rock star women on his side of the planet, Michelle was at the top of the list. One of the things that I really enjoyed reading about Michelle is that she's really Um, pushed herself in a variety of different areas in her career and her life. So she's a coach, a speaker, a writer, and wow, so much more. Um, And there were so many directions that we could have gone in today's conversation. I, I feel like I need to call her every six months to keep up with her because she's passionate about many things. So Michelle, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, you're so welcome, Sherry. Hi, everybody. Thank you for the opportunity to to share together. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, um, you know, I do want to just talk a little bit about what what you've been doing and what's brought you to here. And I think it is important, if if you wouldn't mind, sharing a little bit about the challenges that you've faced over the past years um, and, and maybe a little bit about what you've learned from them, and then we'll go into the business stuff. But 
Um, I do think it's really critical to kind of share some of the things that you've discovered um, with the women um, on our podcast. So uh, where do you want me to begin? You want me to begin about my business? You, or would you like me to start talking about my health? What, what would, where would you like to start? Well, I think let's start talking about your health because then we can trans, transition to your business. Um, okay. Yeah. I think that, that okay. would be a great place to go. Um, in 2003, I was diagnosed with um, two autoimmune diseases. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar with autoimmune disease, autoimmune disease is where our immune system is actually turned on us. And instead of um, attacking viruses and invaders to the body, it actually gets confused with our body and attacks our body. And um, our immune system actually turns on us. And I was diagnosed with systemic lupus and also with cerebral vasculitis. And if systemic lupus wasn't enough for anyone who's suffering from that, you know, uh, cerebral vasculitis was, was even worse. I was given a very dire prognosis. I was told I had six months before I would be deaf, blind and mute. And I was told that I had two years before the disease was going to be fatal. Um, because there is no known understanding of what causes the body to turn on itself at this day and time, there is no known medical cure for curing autoimmune diseases. I was prescribed to have chemotherapy, uh, not to save my life because it was not believed that it would be possible, but to hopefully extend my life. Um, so I was sitting there with that. I had severe, uh, severe debilitating migraine-like head pain. I was having seizures. I wasn't able to drive. I was having uh, twitches throughout my body. I had palsy down the right side of my body. And I had loss of memory and, and, and sometimes loss of, loss of speech. And that was very hard at the time because I was moving around the world speaking and um, working with groups. <laughs> I'd be mid-sentence and lose what I was saying. Um, so very, very dire situation. I made a decision at that point in time, and this is something that I encourage all men and women to consider, is that I could take on board the diagnosis, but I wasn't going to take on board the prognosis. I made a decision that I was not going to die. And um, through an extraordinary chain of events and, and partnerships and people that I worked with, we, over a period of five years, actually were able to discover and identify attitudes, interactions, situations that actually made the symptoms worse. And when we could notice the symptoms that were getting worse, we were able to actually discover and eliminate things that interfered and made the disease worse, which eventually led over five years or so to be able to find a 100% complete cure. I have no, no whatsoever autoimmune activity in my body. And this is really fascinating for us as women. We know that there are more than 80 different autoimmune diseases and those diseases are things like type 1 diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, um, 80 different diseases we know of. Now, interesting fact, more than 80% of the people who are suffering from an autoimmune disease actually are women. And um, through my research uh, and me traveling around the world, I've ended up with 70 different case studies of people I've either worked with or interviewed. And we sat, found some really fascinating um, experiences that all of us have had and um, approaches that we all have to life. So that, that's a, a whole other body of knowledge and, and very fascinating, Sherry. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, thank you for sharing that. Um, 
first off, because you just never know what little butterfly wing flap during this conversation may be able to help somebody in the future. So I really do appreciate you sharing that. And I think that for me, um, the thing I find extraordinarily fascinating was your intention to your decision that, that in the face of such fear, um, that you made such a clear decision and how your attitude was, was everything as it, mm-hmm. as you dealt with that kind of diagnosis. Um, mm-hmm. So I just, I, I just want to kind of acknowledge that. And um, so the other part though is, is that you, you were very active in growing a business and, and pretty much, international business. Um, Mm. and you mentioned you had just hired 10 new folks. So, yeah. So, (laughs) so I started my own business in 1997 and, um, it was one of the very first coaching firms in Australia. Um, coaching had been only in the world a couple of years and, um, definitely was a brand new industry altogether in, in Australia. And so I started that in 1997 and in 2002 on 2003, I was, um, in the process of expanding from being an individual coach to bringing on board 10, 10 coaches. <laughs> so I was at a massive growth phase in my business and um, a very, very challenging time because the business model we were operating on was was led out by my reputation and um, me doing all the business development and suddenly I had 10 other mouths other than myself to feed and um, I was severely, severely debilitated. So it was, a, it was a, a very challenging time, not only on the health front and also at the same time my marriage ended. So it was a, a very intense time, Sherry. Holy smokes. Uh, I, um, I remember going through a very difficult time in my life some years back and somebody told me, that I just must have been burning a lot of karma. (laughs) 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 So I don't know that if you ever felt like that, but I always kind of remember that because it just took the kind of the dark horribleness out of it and maybe made some kernel of purpose from it. I have no idea. Um, And that obviously what I was going through was much less that than what you were going through at the time, but it does speak to your courage. Um, mm. Absolutely. And no wonder Keith said you were a rock star. I I think we've all got extraordinary courage and when we're faced and we find ourselves in situations that we would never have imagined and if we thought about it, we wouldn't think we would be able to find resources or strength and when we're faced with life and death and anyone who has sat at the feet of genuinely thinking and knowing that they're on the precipice of death, whether it be someone in a terrible situation um, of wanting to take their own life or somebody faced with a a traumatic event such as a a car accident or or a serious illness, Um, it's amazing. It is amazing the resources that we all have and and what we can access and what we discover inside of ourselves. And I think all of us has that courage inside of us. And and I think what, um, what what you've done 
is you've taken this situation of um, learning more and more about your body and beginning to apply it to success in business and leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it obviously, I believe that it's all connected and you obviously believe that it's all connected as well, but um, let's let's talk a little bit about some of your work with entrepreneurs and how you've kind of identified some attitudes in them. And so let's go down that road a little bit. Sure. Where would you like to start? Well, okay. So you mentioned that um, you did a study of a group of entrepreneurs in Australia and mm-hmm. you kind of broke them down into two different types of um, mm-hmm. individuals. But then you started taking a look a little bit deeper um, as to the motivation and attitudes of these particular folks. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe we could talk a little bit about that. And then I'm fascinated by this um, concept of, of yours called neuroleadership. So we'll maybe end on that if we could. Sure. Well, I ended up finding myself in the area of specializing with what I call creative artists. And those are entrepreneurs, inventors, um, writers, uh, actors, and so on. And the theme that's similar amongst all of them is that they're people who have this innate creativity and they're the people who are constructing our economic environments, our cultural environments, and have such an extraordinary influence um, in the world. And because I've been working in this space for 17 years, I started to notice that there was in my entrepreneurs some patterns and some distinctions that I could see between those who were tremendously successful and those who were going bankrupt. Um, And we started to see some patterns emerge and I wanted to quantify that from being just my qualitative anecdotal research to actually doing some quantitative research. So I got a university in the UK involved and um, we set about to do some very in-depth research. We took 82 people. Um, We broke them, as you were saying, Sherry, into two groups, 41 in each. And in our entrepreneurial group, I'm going to call those people who have founded and actually exited a business within five years and that means they've actually sold the business and no longer working in the business and to give you an idea of the scope of these people um, the lowest sale price of those in the study was a million dollars the highest sale price was 1.3 billion and most of the people had sold their businesses for more than uh, 70 or 100 million dollars so most were higher than that Um, and those who are in our other group that we're calling business builders, they had grown their business over a 10 to 15 year period. And we used an instrument that we have, which is called IWAM, which is an inventory of work, attitude and motivation. And it actually measures 48 different attitudes and motivations that each of us um, use in our workplace or in this context in business. And we're able to measure them in the contrast with the rest of the population. So we've got like a sample in the US of of the US workforce who've gone through this instrument and we also have one in Australia and we actually have 20 different um, samples around the world of different cultures. And we could take each individual's preferences and which are their attitudes and motivations and compare them to the rest of the Australian working population. And we found some fascinating um, patterns between what will indicate and lead to likelihood of greater success um, in 
business ventures. Now, this doesn't mean you have to be employed, uh, sorry, own your own business. It means you can actually be employed and be entrepreneurial. So we can start to look at who are the entrepreneurial leaders and what are the levers. If we tinker with this attitude and this motivation, what difference will that make to real tangible commercial results? Now, of course, entrepreneurs, inventors and creative artists, for example, um, they all, the biggest thing is, is how do we take this talent? How do we take this creation? How do we take something new and how do we actually realize it commercially and successfully in the world? And now we've, we've got what we call a fingerprint for that. We can actually uniquely um, help people to, to do that. So really, that, that was the foundation of the study, Sherry. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, you know, and we talked about the fact that we could either go down the road of speaking to this from the perspective of an entrepreneur and maybe some of the things that you discovered that could help them look a little bit deeper in how they could be successful or speaking about this from somebody that perhaps is employed. And mm. I, I feel, and people listening to this podcast know this, that I feel like regardless of whether you're employed or an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur. You, it, it, I believe that women need to own their career, much like an entrepreneur possibly owns their business and makes specific decisions about their career, much like an entrepreneur would make decisions about their business. So when you looked at possibly maybe some of the, and I know that you work with both women and men, um, yes. but when you looked at possibly some of the successful women among those two groups, were there attitudes that really stood out different from the kind of general population of Australia that you thought were very unique? Yeah, definitely. So one of the, and this is a really important one for women, and this is often why we see more men who pursue their their commercial professional success than women, is around where is the centre of authority? Now, some people are motivated by having a strong locus of, of internal authority. This is where they can trust their own beliefs, can trust their own convictions, and actually lead out based on their own core values. And then when they get disagreement or criticism externally, they're able to, because of their strong internal center of authority, they're able to leave and push that outside, the criticism and the opinion and the opposition, and still forge ahead with their vision with their internal um, direction. And when we look at women generally, women are very, and part of our femininity and part of our strength is, is that we as women are very others orientated. So we are motivated to commune. We're motivated to connect. We're motivated to belong. And as a generalization, women have a, a much greater need to feel a sense of connectedness and to feel like they um, have the approval and have the support of others around them. So if we translate this now into a business context, the study showed that men or women, those who were the most successful in business, had a very strong sense of internal authority. They're actually 40% more motivated than the Australian population to follow their own convictions. And interestingly, they were lowish 
on what we call external reference. And external reference was all of those things of looking for external input and looking for external authority. Interestingly, the um, entrepreneurs had a small amount of that, very small. They were around 25% on our scale out of 100% for external motivation, which means that they definitely check outside of themselves. We found that a failure pattern was that if the entrepreneurs don't have a small amount of checking outside of themselves for results, for feedback, for input or able to follow the um, authority of others to some degree that that was actually a factor that led to business failure. So it was important to have a small amount. Yet very often, and this is my experience with working with women in leadership over the last 17 years is often women have a much higher need for that political approval and validation of their ideas and so therefore they don't lead forward with trusting their convictions and getting people to come on board and to follow them. They're waiting for other people to approve before they lead forth and follow them. And so this was a critical distinction and it's an opportunity for men and women but in the context of this podcast, thinking about the the natural propensity for women to need the approval, validation and convictions of others to have the permission to lead forth with their vision, their creation, their direction and their personal authority. I might just pause here, Sherry, to, to, to gain your input on that. Well, I'm just grinning from ear to ear, Michelle, because just a little while ago, I actually, I, I spent some time away in the desert with a bunch of other very creative, geeky people every summer. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wrote a blog post on what business people could learn from the hug deli at Burning Man. But regardless, <laughs> so I'll have to send you a link to that, Michelle. You'll have to send me that. It, it's, a, it's not as eloquent as you just put it, but it is very similar, which is, is that no one is going to anoint you a leader. No mm. one is going to come and tap you on the shoulder. Um, in most cases, in the cases that I know and that I've seen, You've got to make yourself a leader. And so there's a metaphor with the hug deli, which is get behind the counter and put the apron on. Um, but I'll send that link to you because oh, I'd love that and, and that is very fascinating. And and I do also love though that the having the external reference was still a requirement, like was still mm. pointed towards success. So that while they had a 40% higher um, internal um, locus of Mm. control, there was still that external reference um, to kind of check and get feedback and follow when, when required. Mm, Really important. Mm -hmm. I, that's, I, I think that's a really awesome thing for people to think. And you, I mean, and obviously um, you demonstrate this, in your business and your passion around now some of the ways that um, our mind and body um, work together and work together in a, in a business situation. I just, mm. just so many, I think, directions that we could go, but you demonstrate it all the time. You've got this passion and um, you're not waiting for anybody else to make it happen. You, you went out and, discovered these things about your disease and you went out and began to form together a group of people to start to identify ways that these diseases could be kind of tackled. Um, You Mm. didn't wait for anybody. And 
And that's, that's another one of the distinctions out of the study of the entrepreneurs is another preference or attitude is what we call initiation versus reflection and patience. So when we look at initiation, that's that proactivity. It's the, it's the getting an idea and the body wanting to take action on it. And so there's this energy that says, okay, idea, let's go. And someone who's highly mo- motivated for initiation is, is that active, get an idea, make stuff happen, energy, move, 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 versus someone who is what we call high on reflection and patience. And someone who's high on reflection and patience is more organically orientated. They're going to step back, they're going to observe, they're going to allow things to unfurl. And they're actually more reactive because they'll wait till they absolutely have to take action. So they're more analytical, um, more relaxed in that context of okay we'll, we'll we'll take action when when i think it's the right time versus someone who's going to forge ahead proactively taking that action and the study showed that um, entrepreneurs who are successful are extraordinarily high on initiation they don't step back and wait they take they move they go for it and Interestingly, again, those entrepreneurs who failed were in the minuses on reflection and patience. They didn't have any. So we found that counterintuitively that you actually have to have a a nice amount of reflection and patience to still be successful in business. So while it was still low, it was still around 25%, um, any higher showed that the entrepreneurs were less likely to get things to market in a time frame. As we know about entrepreneurs, they've either got funding or they're self-funding and every day counts before the money runs out. So you can see why initiation is so important. The same is true when you're an internal entrepreneur in an organisation is that there's only a certain window of time when an idea is ripe and being able to take action when an idea is ripe is so important. And if we're waiting for reflection and patience to the extreme degree and when we look at women, women are naturally orientated to be able to be more patient so this is a generalization, but when we look at um, the, the the relationship that women have, women are able to, when we look at our core emotional feminine state, is that we're able to be with things. We're able to sit with ambiguity. We're able to allow things to unfurl, whereas the masculine energy in its purest directed form is directive, is penetrating, is driving, which is much more of that initiation. So this is a challenge for women in business because If you go back to the first one we spoke about, if we're unconsciously waiting for external validation, external authority to give us permission to go, and if we're naturally reflective and patient, we're talking generally here, it's not specifically, you can see that for a woman to be out there forging with initiation and trusting herself, um, for some, we can organically do that. Yet for some, we need to develop that. We need to work on that. We need to. Now, for me personally, in my business and in all things in my life, I've been very externally referenced. Um, It's part of my genius as a coach is that I listen to and allow others to author their own lives. Now, if I was too high on my own internal reference, I would be preaching and telling others what to do, which is an important role in the world, and, and that's the real gift of a speaker. Now, when I speak and I step on stage and I write, I speak from that space and that internal reference but when I'm um, um, 
parenting, loving, when I'm when I'm supporting, when I'm nurturing, I'm in my external reference and helping my clients to come up with their own voice. So in my own leadership in business, in my industry as a founder in the field and um, in the whole area of health that I'm navigating, you can see it's a delicate dance. It's a delicate dance between the internal, external and between the initiation and the reflection and patience. And the great news is, is that we can all develop flexibility. None of this is hardwired. This is the distinction of where we're up to with neuroscience. Neuroscience is a study of our neuro- neurology, our nervous system, um, and its impact on the rest of our system and therefore how we use that as a leader and how we use that in so- inside of business. And we've got another instrument that we use that comes from the work of Dr. Ian Weinberg, who I'm collaborating with. He's from um, South Africa and he's a neuroscientist and he's a specialist in the area of what we call psychoneuroimmunology and psychoneuroendocrinology, which all that gobbledygook of those words basically means is psycho, meaning mind, neuro, meaning the nervous system, and then its impact on immunity and impact on our endocrine system, which is our hormones. And whether you're male or female, what we know is there's big impact on stress and other things that happen when we're in the workplace, when we're in a position of leadership or in a role of being a a business generator um, as an entrepreneur. And so we're able to using this instrument from this man's work he's actually a um, neurosurgeon who's gone into this field fascinating fascinating body of work that he's developed and between his and my work together there's some exciting discoveries and influences of being able to create change now why I'm mentioning this is because we now know from the neuroscience of what we know of as neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. Now, some of you who are already in this field know what this means. Neuroplasticity is our ability to be able to create new neural pathways. Now, you'll know this from the evidence of, of what we've shared today in this short period of time is that when I had the brain disease, I had brain damage. And as a result of the brain damage, certain parts of my brain weren't active and I was able to develop other parts of my brain to carry on with those functions. And I'm still developing those, even though we are um, 12 years on, 11 years on. So what we know is these attitudes and motivations in the workplace and in business, with the right support and knowing what you're doing, if you happen to default to any one of the ones we've spoken about and it's not serving you, we know from a basic standpoint now in science, you can create new neural pathways, which means you can create new attitudes, new motivations that lead to new behaviours, that lead to new results. Okay, so if I had like a bell to ring, I would be like, yay, because uh, (laughs) the thing I find that is fascinating and what takes this neuroplasticity down to something that maybe somebody can consume it is that whole phrase, act as if. Um, but I love the way that you've given specifics about the almost a yin and yang of two different things that women could start to look at in their career, um, the internal versus external reference, and then the, um, drive versus kind of patience, those, Mm. those two pieces and how, um, they can, well, if nothing else, be more aware of watching that around them as a beginning point, obviously, right, Michelle? 
No, definitely. And this is something that you can do immediately. You don't need to even go and study anything else. You can do this now. And by noticing when you're in a situation where you need to make a decision, where do you go? Mm-hmm. Who do you look to? And if your point of view and your strong conviction tells you to do something else, do you have permission to follow that? Because this is what authenticity is about. Authenticity is being able to be true to who you are and being able to express yourself in your day-to-day in your with your clients, with your colleagues, with your managers, with the leaders that you're working with and in your home life, with your children, with your partner. And being able to be true to you, which when we're able to follow our own beat of our own heart to our own drum, we're able to start to be able to express who we are in the world. And this, this from a neurophysiological standpoint, changes the stress response in our body and um, leads to the kind of biology, you know, well-being in our body that leads to the sort of performance that a successful leader can have in the world. Wow. Well, I knew I was going to be able to talk to you all day long, um, but it's actually <laughs> it's actually the beginning of your week that you've so graciously shared with us and with me. Um, and so I, I just can't say enough about, wow, starting a Monday off with so much information and so many things for people to think about. There are a couple of things I want to, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to Equilibrio, which is your organization, so that people can know how to kind of learn more about you and some of the things you've talked about and the tools that you offer. And then I'm wondering also, Michelle, if the gentleman in South Africa that you're working with, um, if you can um, send me a link to to his research or whatever, so I can put that in the show notes as well. I know being the Absolutely. neuro geek that I am, um, I would I would love to follow that, um, that little path all over the place, I'm sure. Um, so thank you so much again for joining me today. And I look forward to talking to you in the future. Oh, thank you so much, Sherry, for inviting me to, to be a part of your show. And I wish everyone listening all the very best as you continue to evolve and grow as um, women in business as in leadership and just the human beings that we all are together. Women Rocking Wall Street is a creation of ShoeFits.com. Unforgettable marketing and social media solutions. When I knew that I was going to start women rocking Wall Street, I asked a friend of mine down in Australia if he knew any rock star women. And he immediately put me in touch with Michelle. And now you know why. She is amazing. And I could talk to her for most of the day. As Michelle puts it, success is a delicate dance between internal versus external motivation and reflection versus initiation. By recognizing this balance and sometimes altering our behaviors, we can all find more success and fulfillment in our jobs. With the right support, we can all learn to train our brains to create new neural pathways, and as a result, we can form new behaviors that lead to positive results. Michelle is such an example of that, not only in business, but how she has managed to take care and take charge of her health. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Women Rocking Wall Street. And as always, I have a request for you. If you've got two minutes, head on over to iTunes and leave a review and rate the show because that is how iTunes kind of grades whether shows are able to show up in the new and noteworthy section. And the more visible we can make this show, the more women we can touch. And the other request I have for you is tune in next week. Jackie Harder is going to be on and we'll be talking about negotiating. Negotiating. We have negotiations everywhere in our business lives and I know you're going to enjoy listening into Jackie. For now, you rock. Now, run with it. You have been listening to the Women Rocking Wall Street Show with your host, Sherry Fitz. Now it's for you to take one small step towards your dreams. Make some noise in the business world. Be remarkable. Be courageous. Remember, you rock. Now run with it. WomenRockingWallStreet.com.